Hi, Jody. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? It's going well. Usual knocking off the cobwebs after a weekend. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I had to wake up really early this morning and I was like, oh gosh, like it's a Monday and it's early. Like I hope my brain is like working all the nerve endings were not connecting, but I'm getting there. So no guarantees. Usually it takes me a couple of days, but this weekend I, uh, my boyfriend was traveling and every time I have the house to myself, I'm like, what major projects can I undertake this weekend? <laughs> yeah, me too. My husband was traveling. And so I was doing the same thing. I was like, and also because I can just make all the decisions. <laughs> 100%. I like just bulldoze through things. And then when it's done, I'm like, that doesn't look great, but it's done. You know? Yes. And yes. He, he's the opposite. So I, mm -hmm. I dug up like a huge part of our lawn and laid a brick path and planted like five dozen plants. And I... I feel like my soul left my body. Like my body is just screaming right now. I really, I don't know what I need to do, but it is. Yeah, but you stand out there and you look at them and you're like, oh, this is just beautiful. This it's is so worth it. Job yeah. well done. Yeah. <laughs> well, with plants, you know, like at first it's kind of ugly. It's like there's yeah. like a little sprout just like popping out, but I'm like, just stick with it. Give it a few months. It'll be beautiful. It'll get there. Yeah. So you're based in Chicago. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Where are you? I'm in Nashville. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Yeah, a little bit south, but are you guys, are you having warm weather yet? Ish. Uh, it like goes up and down. So there, I think Friday it was like 67 and humid. <laughs> and then the next day it was like in the thirties. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it's, it looks like 57 now. So it's pretty nice. Not bad. Yeah. It's about yeah. where we are too. I grew up in Buffalo. So I'm very used to those like major swings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that lake effect. That's exactly right. Yeah. Jody, I'm so excited to have you on the frontier. One of my just like big passions in life is like talking to people about career arcs and kind of how they found themselves in their current position. And I think especially internally at a company, it's really interesting to dig into that journey. A lot of folks who are listen listeners of this podcast or they read our newsletter bop around and wear different hats just within the general, like, I work in tech umbrella, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think this will be really fun. We've got Jody. Is it Soldo? Yeah. Oh my God. I got it right on the first you time. You did. You did. Um, Jody Soldo. She's the director of business operations at High Note. And I'm super excited to hear more about High Note. But essentially, what I have in my notes is it offers products and services for white label credit cards and then a slew of other embedded finance services, which I'm excited to talk to you about. So Jody's in Chicago, true Midwesterner. I see you went to the Ohio State University. I did. And you have a master's in special education, which we need to talk about because I have a master's in education. As wow. Well. Not special yeah. education, but funny how, yeah, I feel like we always find each other as educators in tech. I know. I know. <laughs> And you and your husband foster dogs. And I hear you have a litter of puppies right now and their mom. We do. Yeah. I woke up this morning at 530 to crying puppies um, that needed to be fed. So oh my God. yeah, it's been an early morning, but um, it was really easy in the beginning uh, when the mom was doing all the work and we were just taking care of her. And now it's we're seven weeks in. So, oh my gosh. So how old were the puppies when you first got them? 
two days. <gasps> um, yep. We went and picked up the mom and the puppies from uh, an owner who wanted to surrender them, just couldn't take care of them. Oh um, we had never fostered puppies before. We, we fostered like more adult dogs. Um, and I don't think that we knew what we were getting ourselves into, but we covered a room in our house with a bunch of plastic. It looked like we were going to kill somebody. <laughs> oh um, uh, and we put up a pin and they've been there ever since. So it's been really fun to watch him grow up too. Oh my, yeah. Putting that uh, mechanical engineering degree to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is, it has always been my dream to foster puppies. I think it's just like, you know, when you're a kid, if you're an animal loving kid, there's like no, there's no bigger dream than having yeah. a litter of puppies in your house. But I'm glad I'm talking to you today so you can talk me out of it. It's a lot of work. Um, but I will say that a lot of friends like to come over and I'm like, come over, play with the puppies. It's wonderful. I'll sit yeah. and work and you can just be. Uh, playing with the puppies um, because it wears them out because they have a lot of energy. I imagine. I'm thankful. I have an Australian Shepherd and he is, um, he's the laziest Aussie that's ever existed. Perfect. Everybody else who has Aussies is like, they're crazy. Like I have to run them six miles every day. And my dog is just, he runs in circles around the chicken pen, like every, every three or four hours. And other than that, he's like, I'll just nap. Thanks. Yeah. That sounds like the perfect dog. <laughs> yeah, he is pretty perfect. He he killed a mole yesterday. So he is um he's getting a raise, I think. So you started at High Note. You started on the product team mm-hmm. and you've since moved into business ops. Yeah. So let's talk and it sounds like you were also in education at one point. I was. So maybe like take us through the beginning. What 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 is your career journey? I graduated um, with an engineering degree. I went and became an engineer for a year. And I was like, this is not the life for me. Um, It was really boring. And people would just like clock in and clock out. And I was used to being really involved um, at Ohio State. And so I actually left and joined Teach for America for two years, which is... Oh, I did TFA too. Oh, there we go. Um, So that's where I got my education degree. I taught in DC. And... And I loved it. It was just, um, it was really hard for me to be the person that I wanted to be and like show up. I'm a big introvert. And so coming every day and being in front of a classroom of students was very draining. Um, So I I taught for a couple of years, but then I went back into tech, um, started like through customer service and then um, made my journey to product management, mostly because most of my customers were like the really tough ones. Yeah. And I learned about the product. And so I, I knew more than the product team about the product because I had stress tested it alongside with customers. So it was really cool to become a product manager because I was able to take education and all the things about breaking things down yeah. and user experience and really apply that to the, the tech stuff. So it felt like it was it was all supposed to be that way. Um, when it happened, but it was, it was definitely a hard transition to go back to tech, um, from like my whole education world of people and, and colleagues. I always tell people it's, it's very similar in a way because in education and particularly in the environments that we're placed in as member as TFA core members, it's like, generally you're just placed in like chaos and told yep. like make sense of it. I don't know. Somehow make sure that all your kids go home safely at the end of the day, 
And for some teachers are lucky where the goal is like, no, send your kids home knowing something that they didn't know when they came in the door. And then Mm -hmm. for some of us, it's like, no, really just like make sure they go home safe. Yeah. But the, the kind of mandate is the same where it's like, here's your goal and we don't really know how to do it, but you can figure it out, you know? And it's, yeah, it's very similar. I think in, in tech and in the startup world. So yeah, I've never drawn that parallel before um, because it's been so long since I've been teaching, but that that's exactly what happened when I came to High Note. Um, I was the first product manager and I, you know, I knew what I was doing, but I, but I didn't know my way around a, 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 such an early stage startup. Mm. And so I was trying things every time. I remember when I was a teacher, they used to say, Miss Clark, ask my maiden name is Clark. Um, after every weekend, you come back and you have like a new thing that you're trying and a new idea. And I was like, yep. And I think that's actually how I approach some of the startup world as I've come back and yeah. said, okay, this week we're going to try something new. <laughs> new direction. Uh, <laughs> new direction. Here we go. Oh my gosh. Okay. So product management, I, I feel like you made that seem like it was just like an easy, like, let's move from CS to product. It's actually really hard. Um, and so I imagine we've got folks listening who are interested in getting into product. And I'm curious if you've got some advice for folks, especially if they're maybe looking to make an internal transfer from one team onto the product team, what are some first steps they can take uh, that you had success with? Yeah, I think one of the things I did um, is I learned the product really deeply and then partnered across with product managers and, and became a resource for them at some point that they would come and ask me, hey, what do you think we should do here? What's, you know, what's your advice here? Um, and I think the other thing too, is that like, I just had this deep curiosity. Um, when I was at Braintree, one of the core principles was ask why. Mm. And I think that curiosity, like when you have that, and when you're trying to understand why people are making a decision, why the, you know, why we are implementing some product feature, um, I think you can represent the customer a lot better. And so, so I feel like that, that, that's pretty core to what I've tried to do throughout my journey in product management. And I think that probably served me pretty well in that transition too. I've heard from other folks that like being the expert on customers or being the expert on the product can take you really far. Yeah. Because everything else is a learned skill. Like learning how to do project management stuff is like, you know, you can pick it up in a week. Yeah, there's a framework for that. There's there's a framework for that. We should put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, but you know, the the hard one knowledge of of the customer and the product is is something that's not quite as easy to crock. So, okay, so you got into product and then you came over to High Note as a product manager. And now you are in business operations. So talk to me about that. What did that transition look like? The transition, um, I, I have to say personally, was pretty hard for me, actually. Um, mostly because I think that what High Note as a business was looking for was a product leader at the, you know, we had we had grown over time. We started to get customers. We're launching customers. In, and really what we needed was a product leader who could start to do this five, 10-year roadmap, really high-level stuff. 
And that's just not me. Like that is not what I'm good at. Um, I'm a very tactical person. Like I'm like, okay, what do we need to do now? What should we get done? And so I didn't have that skill set, but I also like wasn't excited about learning that uh, myself. Mm-hmm. And so as as this came up, um, my boss had said, you know, uh, we're looking for a head of product, and here's the 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 person that we're looking for in terms of like what the makeup of of it was. And when I started to look at it, I was like, yeah, that's not me. Like, I don't actually want to do that. And so I did like more of my own soul searching of like, okay, let me make a list of the stuff that I really like to do here. Because I know I'm valued as as an employee, but I need to figure out what that means. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, I really got an opportunity to sort of um, test out business operations because business operations is really like you work on the most important projects that that the company needs at any point in time. And I was like, yeah, this sounds exactly like what I like to do. Like run to trouble, try to, you know, try to find how we can fix it and then leave it to the team that's got it and then go find another problem. Um, And that's kind of what I spent my first year doing. So once I started to look at that and try it on, I was like, oh, I can do this. And I actually started to find colleagues that had had that same um, transition in their career and like ask them about the job. Like, what do you think? Like, is this you know, do you like what you're doing? And it started to grow on me like, okay, yes, this is actually the job for me. Um, and, and we hired an awesome head of product and I'm so excited to partner with her because now we've got four hands instead of two yeah. to be able to do the like product work that we need to. So I've never heard business ops described that way. And it is like, so precisely what business ops is, you know, I think we, we muddy it often because the nature of the product, the projects can change so vastly, mm-hmm. but you're working on whatever is most important in that moment with the intention of then passing it off to the relevant team. And I think at a, at a certain stage of growth, that's such a critical function that we often overlook and don't even think of as something that we can hire somebody to manage because it feels like, oh, well, you know, if it's a product problem, let product deal with it. Or if it's a operations, let ops deal with it. Or The cool part too, is that I, I liked problems that weren't necessarily product problems or operations problems or even sales problems. And so I got to sit down and say like, these are the problems that I want to be involved in and, and make that part of my job. And so I keep that list with me mm-hmm. so that I make sure like, okay, I'm continuing to do this stuff. Because ultimately, that makes me excited to come to work is doing the stuff I know is necessary for the business, but is also like, super fun. Like I still work on API docs, I still help, you know, with the stuff on the website, like, I just get to do a little bit of everything. Have you been surprised at all by the things that have been transferable from the product side into the biz op side? 100%. Especially because I still do a lot of work with customers and building products. Like I still influence that whole process, um, which is really awesome because then it's different to be on the opposite side of um, now I get to kind of say what we need to do, but I don't actually have to worry about how the sausage is made. And it's kind of like being a customer now. It's, it's very fun to not have to worry about some of those other pieces. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about high note. Because first of all, I love y'all's website. Whoever did your design, 
major props to them. But like I said, I understand that the core product is white label credit cards. And then there's a slew of of other financial products and services that are nested underneath. So I'd love to hear like, you know, quick elevator, like what is it that HighNote does? Uh, What value do you provide? And then I'd love to get into like some some use cases. One thing that's really interesting, and I didn't know this before I started HighNote because I actually didn't know about card issuance at all, um, is that there are a lot of different problems. People use like prepaid debit cards, credit cards to solve Mm. that you wouldn't think of like a traditional card. Like I got my old Navy card because I get rewards from it. Um, But there's actually like a lot of different ways that people issue cards. For example, in the travel industry, um, uh, people issue virtual cards as they're paying for their hotel or your rental car and they kind of bundle it all at once. Mm. Like your travel agent is using a virtual card, like virtual prepaid card. And I had no idea behind the scenes that like these things are solving the types of problems that you would think that payments has already solved. Right. So, um, that's kind of what we're like made out to do is to to help sell like solve those types of problems, but in a way that allows us to be driven by what customers need rather than like, here's our opinion about the way you should do things. It's mm-hmm. more around, here's what we've got. Let us know what you're trying to accomplish. And then we can try to either solution for you or or we might have, you know, like you said, some other tangential product that helps to complement what we do with cards that actually allows people to innovate around some some specific area that they know way more about than us. Yeah. Have there been any particular use cases that have been kind of like more surprising or unique to you over the years of folks using your product? One I think that it was really interesting to me is um, we have a company called Stretch um, and they work primarily with people who have been recently incarcerated. And I, I guess when you get out of prison, usually get a paper check or sometimes you get a, a prepaid card. And if you think about like you're getting out of prison, you're in a transitional home, you're going to a bank, but you don't have a bank account. You don't have a home address. You may not even have an ID to be able to verify your identity. Mm. So Stretch's whole goal is to be able to help like uh, enable services uh, to allow for them to be able to get an account issue a card, they can deposit their check. And so when they start to get a job, they can actually deposit their check into their account rather than needing to go get a bank account. And it's just one of those like very specific things that you think like, really, we we still issue people paper checks and we like, this isn't an easy process that just felt like we were solving for their, their specific audience. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. I used to work in uh, refugee relocation. And it was a similar problem where it's yeah. like, what, what do we do? It, there, it's a, you know, unbanked population, which mm-hmm. is, you know, massive, obviously, outside of the U.S. But we have, you know, tons of populations here in the U.S. who are unbanked. And yeah, it seems like a really interesting solution. Yeah. There, and there's other, there's more commercial solutions um, that we have. Uh, for instance, we've got um, fleet providers that in the fleet industry. So when you go and buy gas. If you're a fleet operator, let's say, you actually can get a specific card that allows you to track the the gas, like type of gas, the amount you pay. And what happens behind the scenes is these fleet companies actually do a deal with the major gas chains 
to give discounts on the back end. This is like outside of Visa and MasterCard. And they do these deals where you can get a discount too. And so if you're, I don't know, even if you're like small plumbing, like you've got a fleet of vans, you can actually um, be involved in the discount process. Cool. So like this is a random thing that happens like way behind the scenes, but that actually help promote like small businesses too. What a niche. I'm always so fascinated by these like super niche problem spaces that like it's part of the fabric of the way that life works for many of us, but we don't think about what several layers below, which are yeah. like card issuance. And then like, I would never think of that as a problem space that I could feasibly solve with, with a startup. So kudos to, to high note founders. Yeah. I've been amazed at the use cases that, we, that um, we've heard of. And there are just more, there are just so many places where people use cash where they yeah. shouldn't. And if you have a card program, you actually get more data about what people are spending and so then you can offer better rewards to them or you can have more insight about your users. So it's been super interesting to like understand that whole world of payments that I had. Like I, I say, I have payments experience, but this is like unlocked a whole different world um, for me. And how long have you been with Note? A little over two years. Wow. I feel like every time... I speak with somebody who's working in kind of a niche industry, especially fintech. Like there's so many financial concepts when we're talking about banking and card issuance that are just, they're complex. And sometimes it feels like maybe intentionally complex. And so it's awesome to hear how quickly it seems like you've been able to become embedded in, in that world. Has, was there anything that really helped you kind of grasp like, okay, here's what we do and, and who we do it for? I, I mean, I think part of the reason it helped because I was I was employee thirteen. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, so th- so there weren't a lot of people doing it um, before I started, and and I think that um, you know a lot of what we did, we made mistakes along the way, and so we weren't we 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 had a bias to action rather than like a bias for always being exactly right. Mm. And as we brought on more, um, like I would say experts, people who have done this before, um, they've kind of came and said like, Oh, what are you doing there? That that's actually not right. And I've been like, great. I'm so glad you're here. Let's change that and keep moving forward. And so some of that like learning just happened because we made a whole bunch of mistakes, but it was fine because we just wanted to get started quickly. I like that approach. And I think the, the way I structure decisions in my brain is like, the only way I'm going to be stressed about it is if a mistake could cost us a million dollars. Yeah. If a mistake is going to cost us any less than a million dollars. I mean, hopefully my boss doesn't hear this. I promise I'm not wasting a million dollars on mistakes, but like, that's the mindset, right? Like, what you're going to net in a learning is usually more valuable than what you could have saved by not making the mistake. So, yeah, that's exactly right. And I think also being humble, we like, I'm when people tell me that we're wrong, I'm like, wonderful. I'm so glad that you've got the expertise. Um, I'm not going to hold on to my opinion so hard that like it had to be this way. Mm -hmm. There's new information. Let's change it and let's keep moving forward. Okay, so two years ago, you were employee 13. And since then, High Note has scaled over 100 teammates. Like, yeah. that is massive. I, I've been in startups for a while, but I have never kind of worked through that level of a transition. 
Um, so me I neither. Love, I, I've never done your, that before. Okay, cool. This is my first. Yep, first time. <laughs> so this is fresh. This is probably a good question to ask now. Then um, I'd love to hear just like a few high level takeaways. Like, what has that been like? Has there been anything that was kind of intentional about that period that that you and the team wanted to hold on to? What was your experience? I mean, I think one of the most important things is we knew what we were good at and what we weren't good at. And so when when we would when we would look into hiring, like for instance, when we um, hired a new product manager, uh, we looked for someone who knew about the credit space. Mm. Um, and we hired a great guy. He's he was at Capital One for eight years. Like has so much deep knowledge and and at that point like hiring people who knew exactly um what we didn't know was really important i think the other thing that i try to do too a lot of times was like because when you're hiring fast and you're growing fast there's just a lot of context that changes Mm -hmm. and so most of my conversations were just about sharing context and then getting out of people's way um because the more that i gave them the context the more that they'd be able to make a decision on my behalf. I think earlier in my career, I thought about multiplying myself. It's like, oh, how could there be more Jody Soldos? Um, but that's the best way is like to share context and then let people kind of run with it and make the decision that they, 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 you know, think that they need to make given all the information. Cause that's exactly the same thing that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, the, I think those two things like felt like the most important things to do as we just accelerated. Um, in all areas for that matter, not just engineering and operations and sales, et cetera. I think in order to do the first thing you mentioned, which is like hire where you have gaps is to have a really clear picture of what's next. Right. Yeah. And I think that's hard for a lot of us because when we think about hiring, I'm the same way as you. I'm like, well, how can I expand my bandwidth? Right. Like how can, how can I just like make it easier to hit everything that I have on my my like one year horizon checklist when really it's no, as a business, we might need someone who's an expert in this area that we're not currently thinking about, but we should be thinking about in the next one to two years. Like that takes a lot of foresight. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where um, like hiring that new product leader was really important because Mm. as we think about where we need to be in five to 10 years, like you have to even have more planning and more foresight. Um, I'm, I'm more of like, tactical. I'm probably a six month plan kind of gal. Um, and so, and so we, you know, we, we were making it up along the way, but we've kind of gotten to the, to your point where now it's, it's time to really double down and be a little more strategic, um, uh, with some of the, not only hiring, but also just like general investments that we make. I have friends who since the time we graduated college have worked at companies of, 1000 plus employees and 1000 is like on the small side. Mm-hmm. And so to them, this conversation isn't going to make much sense how we're like, yeah, going from 13 to 100 employees is like, everything changes. Not one yeah. thing stays the way that you communicate with your teammates changes, right? Mm-hmm. And to do that over the course of two years is wild. So, you know, I'm curious, particularly as it relates to like, relating to your team, making connections, like cross-functional connections. Is there any, are there any nuggets of wisdom that you can leave me with? Because I feel like we're, we're on the cusp of this as well. 75% of our team is remote. And, and I've found that it's really important to have 
not necessarily personal relationships, but like good relationships with people across the organization, no matter what team they're in. And like to get to know them well. Um, So we're like a, we're camera on um, company, you know, we make sure like, uh, we're like leaving time to just like, Hey, how was your weekend? Or, you know, Oh, like, how are the dogs? How are your puppies, etc. Like, I think that that kind of stuff is really important, like relationship building, because at the end of the day, I'm going to have to ask somebody to do something for me that is outside of what they were planning to do one day or what maybe their job is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been pretty important um, for me along the way. I, I would also say, I mean, you're never going to get it right. I don't know, like, just be okay with mistakes. Um, yeah. And be okay with just trying something like that bias for action has actually really served well. And even in some cases, oh, we, we are team of overthinkers sometimes of like, and then we could do this big thing and that would be great. But it's like, what's the small thing we can do today? What's the little thing um, yeah. that can like move it forward? I, I think that that, that has, that has probably helped us a ton in just getting the boulder a little bit further and further because we, we, we make up some boulders for ourselves, um, we but we have to push it a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to write that. I've got a window in front of me and I'm going to get like a window marker and write, you're never going to get it right. Because I feel like I do the same thing. I mean, I will read books and articles and listen to podcasts and like cross-reference 16 different frameworks and be like, okay, this is the best way to like build relationships on a scaling team. But I love, I love that sentiment, which is like, as long as you're thinking about it, as long as like it stays top of mind and it's important to you, you're going to do the best possible thing. Yeah. And if you went, if you could go back in time, maybe there's some things you would change, but like, you're never going to get it right the first time. So just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Just, just try it. Right. And build relationships along the way. So when you don't get it right, you have to apologize (laughs) that you go and you're like, okay, I messed this one up. Um, Sorry guys. Yeah. So maybe the role is like, (laughs) just do it, like do the thing, but also like, be a good human. You know, yeah, like 100%. Yeah. 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 Uh, unfortunately, I feel like we've got a lot of maybe non examples in the news of like, I know, you know, but that's helpful. You always have to have like a an example and a non example for sure. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, Jody, this has been so much fun. Um, I think particularly for folks who are thinking about getting into product, kind of switching cross-functionally within their organization. This is going to be a really helpful episode. If folks are listening and they want to get in touch with you or learn more about High Note, where should we send them? Highnote.com, our awesome website. It's very cool. Feel free to check that out. And I, I mean, I love to connect with people on LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me. I think the road to product is never going to be the same. And I will get back to product, even though I'm in business operations, I haven't made a hard pivot into a new career. So if you ever just want to talk shop or need some advice, like I'm happy, I'm happy to help. Awesome. Well, Jody, thank you so much. I hope we get to talk soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.